Welcome to Biblical Brainstorm, the Seth and Chandler podcast, coming to you live out of Jacksonville, Florida, and Dallas, Texas. I am your co-host, Seth, and this is my co-host, Chandler. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just uh, getting ready for summer. Uh, I'm already kind of in my summer class for school, but then for work, you know, I'm a teacher about to go on summer break pretty soon. So just getting things, preparations for finals for students, and uh, yeah, about to enjoy Enjoy a lot more free time on my hands and get into more podcast stuff and prepare with that too. So I'm really excited. It's time of the year for students and teachers, summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone take a break, refresh, all that good stuff. But yeah, rejuvenate yeah. the mind. Yeah. You can only read so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually a big thing I'm excited about in the summer is to read. I mean, I have so many books on my shelf, as you can see back there. Yeah, and same. And I just so, bought some more, and I don't know when I'll get to them. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I got a few more this year, too, that I haven't read yet. So I'm excited to dive into those as well. So Hey, now we got incentive to read them because we got the podcast. So now we have to, but we wanted to anyway. So just kind of push us to yeah. get into it. <laughs> and some things aren't things that we're going to cover or at least cover in a long time. So, I mean, it's just more for enjoying enjoyable reading. Oh, yeah. But there are some things in there that would help for a couple episodes coming up. So yeah, I'm excited about that, too. Fifty Shades uh, of Grey isn't one of those. <laughs> definitely not just to be clear i don't have that in my library chandler doesn't either i just you know throw a joke here somewhere <laughs> all right well speaking of books though uh we're talking about the apocrypha today and the, if you didn't know what the apocrypha is or apocryphal works or all that jazz um an apocrypha just basic definition all right is a biblical related writings not forming part of the accepted canon of scripture so, um, or writings or reports not considered considered genuine. So, it's a very broad definition. So, when somebody says like, "Oh, the uh, biblical apocrypha," right? That is a, a broad category. That, and I try to split it up into two or even three categories myself. Mm-hmm. And so, one category is New Testament apocrypha for me, and that's writings that are kind of post Jesus. Um, okay. And so I. That, you know, just the way I wrap my brain around it is New Testament Apocrypha. Things like the book of Thomas, the book of Judas, mm-hmm. Barnabas, you know, all this stuff. That's a good um, way to put it. And so, and then the second, you know, category or an earlier category would be kind of Old Testament Apocrypha. And I could even split that even more because these are writings before Jesus, right? These mm-hmm. are Jewish writings um, before Jesus. And these can be even, I guess, further split up into what what I would say called the historical books or even books that are a part of the Catholic canon. Yeah. And then there are books, apocryphal books, Old Testament apocryphal that are not included even in the Catholic canon, or Mm -hmm. these are just kind of more theological writings or just kind of, um, yeah, or mytho history type, you know, deep history type stuff. So not necessarily anything that was meant to be scripture, but just kind of, you know, expand on it or give like some commentary on it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of these examples of Old Testament, things like the book of Enoch, which we mentioned um, last two weeks with Jude, the book of yeah. Jude quotes from both from both the book of Enoch and the Assumption of Moses as well. Yeah. Um, I, th- I thought of that earlier, you know, that meme from uh, Fairly Odd Parents, where it's like, this is where I have this statue. If I had one, I was <laughs> like, this would be the episode where we talk about the Assumption of Moses. If we had one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it would be nice to have that. But, you know, some things are just lost to history. We have quotes from it, but it's just not, we don't have the book, which 
not everything in the ancient world survived. Unfortunately, um, rip <laughs> Library of Alexandria, Alexandria as well. That's a big, it's a big yeah. Rip. That's yeah. That's not fun. <laughs> and actually, a lot surprisingly, a lot more writings would have been lost if it wasn't for um, a lot of Jewish copyists and writers, and mm -hmm. also the um, even the Islamic Empire that preserved yeah. a lot of the Greek texts. Um, and actually, when we were just at Disney last week, we were riding Spaceship Earth. I don't know if you've wrote yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. We were going, we were yeah. going through it, and they were talking about the Library of Alexandria. You know, burned. all the stuff got burned, and like mm -hmm. you just said, you know, Jewish and Islamic scribes you know, preserved a lot. Yeah, so. the classical works in the ancient world. So thankful for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good so, job. Yeah. You know, yeah. if, if nothing job, else, you preserve the writings of of you know, yeah, the, the ancient world and classical world. And I do have my uh, fancy copy today from my researcher's library. So we got uh, includes Enoch, Judith. And what was yeah. the other ones? Enoch, Jasher, and Jubilees. Nice. So, so these are some, yeah, these these are some of the ones that are included in um, certain canons, yeah. but not not all canons. So as long as like the the ones that I have, at least in print, uh, this one has the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jasher, Jubilees, First and Second Esdras, uh, First and Second Maccabees, Tobias, Judith, uh, Wisdom, Sirach, Barak, Susanna. The Prayer of Azariah, the Prayer of Manasseh, Bell and the Dragon, and Laodiceans. So that's what I got in here. There's a few other that it doesn't have, but those are the ones that I have at least. So nice. those in print. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, today we we're just kind of tackling, uh, well, more in introducing the topic of the Apocrypha because mm -hmm. this will probably take a couple episodes and probably a lot of questions as well. But yeah. uh, in a nutshell, the, you know, these next few weeks, whether it be the next two or three or four, or trying to tackle why um, why are certain books not included in the Bible and why mm -hmm. are some are. Yeah. And basically just the idea of canon, of even a little bit of the idea of inspiration, but we might have to do a whole thing on the inspiration of Scripture later. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind mm -hmm. of, you know, we're, we're going over the topic of the Apocrypha. Because, I mean, you even told the story a couple of weeks ago about, you know, you were with your barber and somebody was like, yeah, you know, like oh, I can't really trust the Bible, and like there's a Bible they found that has the Book of Barnabas or something, and it's like yeah, yeah. He was saying he was watching something on the news one time, and they had found this Bible somewhere over near Turkey somewhere, and they were you know examining it, and it included an extra book of the Bible in it, Book of Barnabas, and it, I I remember him saying something about Jesus having you know, a relationship with a woman, and you know a bunch of odd stuff like that, and he was like, so I you know I just can't really I don't know if I can trust, you know, Christianity or not, just because there's all these other weird things that are out there. So I don't know what's true and what's not true kind of thing. And, you know, so we'll discuss, you know, what it is, what is true, what's not true and, you know, what you can believe and not believe. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, um, uh, maybe not a lot, but there is a stigma out there about the Apocrypha and Apocryphal mm -hmm. works. I think some Christians are either afraid to study it or look it up. Uh, either yeah. out of fear that it's that for some reason it's something bad and they can't read it or they just yeah. don't know. They don't even know where it begins. They just stay away from it. But then it doesn't help that other people kind of portray it in this kind of mystical light where it's like, uh, you know, you're not really supposed to know about these books. So we're just yeah. going to hide them away, but you can find them on the dark web if you want. kind of thing. 
because like when I was at Barnes and Noble today, uh, went out to lunch. My grandparents are in town for my mom's graduation, so we went out to lunch with That's them. Cool. And afterwards, I was able to uh, stop in Barnes and Noble and got some good books. Uh, but while I was looking around, um, I like to check out the um, Bible sections. Group yeah, I like yeah. to check out the theology, philosophy, history, you know that kind of stuff. And I was looking at like the self care, self help kind of section because uh, I know it's tucked in there somewhere. They have like the weird stuff, like. Um, as far as like UFO books and things like that. And <laughs> self-help. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> why it's in, the self-help. Yeah, it's in like the yeah. uh, psychology self-help and all that. And I, I don't know why it's over there, but they're usually tucked away with like the occult stuff, which is odd. And Maybe that's like intentional there, that but... like uh, people that I guess are really deep into the UFO stuff. It's like, maybe yeah. you need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need I some help. That. That. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like to look over there sometimes because um, mm-hmm. I like I find some of those topics interesting. Not that I think all of them are true, but um, yeah, I picked up a copy a copy of Eric von Dynikin's uh, Chariot of the Gods just because I always hear people talking about it, but I've never read it. But I know basically what it's about. But I just wanted a copy of it just to see what it says. So I was looking for that, and then in the process was looking through, and you know they have all these. Uh, they had a book called Who Built the Moon. Um, <laughs> different books about like ancient civilizations and giants and aliens and, you know, government cover-ups and conspiracy theories and that kind of stuff. So some of the, some of the books you can tell are out there. Some of them are, you know, would be a good read, but I like to, I just like to see what they got. Cause sometimes the titles are pretty funny, but uh, while I was looking, sorry, rabbit trail, but while oh, I was okay. looking, I was looking over there and they had like all the different crazy books about, you know, uh, occult stuff or, things about witches or whatever and like astrology and all that weird stuff and right in the middle of all that stuff there's like a stack of the book of enoch and it's like why is that over here (laughs) why can't that be over by the theology section like yeah that's just kind of goes to show like it's the the you know the forbidden book of the bible even what i said the the ancient aliens episode they named the whole episode the forbidden book of the bible and it was about the book of enoch yeah it's like it's not really forbidden and it's not really that creepy or scary i mean you can read it it's not going to wreck your theology or debunk the bible or anything yeah and and that's part of the purpose of why we even just started this and like yeah. the series now because this is a big question for people and like you said yeah. it's it seems to be some kind of talking point for skeptics or people mm-hmm. that are not christians and yet it's something that's avoided by many christians just this kind of there's a stigma behind it and so hopefully yeah. this few episodes is kind of breaking down a lot of those barriers Mm-hmm. And explaining why uh, you know some are included in the Bible and why some are not, and also what category those things fall in, and yeah. also just from the onset here, not all apocrypha are equal, and that's yeah. a big that's a big thing. So it's not just because it wasn't included in the Bible it doesn't mean that it's either all bad or just all you know tucked away and you know historical, but the you know they didn't want right. you to know. But it's there's different categories of apocrypha that of reliability as well and also just even the category of what type of literature they are and yeah. so um, we're going to kind of introduce some of those things today mostly talking about the old testament apocrypha uh we will in the future maybe next episode or, or episode after we'll talk more about the new testament stuff like why yeah. you know the, the kind of the gnostic writings and things like that why they're not included and stuff mm-hmm. um but uh, i just want to go through a lot of introductory stuff um, definitions real quick. So first off, I, I you know I already talked about the definition of the apocrypha, and then apocryphal, um, you know, like an apocryphal writing, mm. meaning uh, like a story or statement uh, of doubtful authenticity. 
So although widely circulated as being true, so something that is, you know, writing and literature, but it's not, you know, there's some doubt to it that it's not necessarily um, part of, you know, the, the canon, right? The, yeah. the truth um, or a hundred percent true in some case um, or of belonging to, of course, the Apocrypha, which, you know, I talked about that definite definition and what's interesting you even say these examples i think there's an even deeper reason as well because uh the word apocrypha comes from the greek apocryptine and i, mm. I don't know how to pronounce greek so obviously <laughs> i'm just gonna say it how i'm gonna say it yeah uh apocryptine which means to hide away or mm. to hide okay. <laughs> so so literally it's like i guess if you're if you're really going back deep into the definition, there is a sense of like, we're taking, uh, you know, these books are not the accepted books, but there's kind of like, we're, we're hiding them away. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're not supposed to be in, in the light here, but yeah, there are some really beneficial books in the Apocrypha. Yeah. And, and they even included the Apocryphal works, like a chunk of them, um, in Bibles in the past, they would either put them in between the old and new Testament with a disclaimer, like these aren't, uh, part of Catholic scripture, canons, yeah. but you know, you can read them and they would either put them in between testaments or they just put them at the end after the old Testament and just say, these are here to read if you want, want to read them kind of thing. But uh, so they did used to be printed and I think you have a Bible that includes them. Right. And you can still find those. Yeah. My dad, I, I think I gave it back to my dad, but he, oh. uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, I have access to one. For sure. Gotcha. Yeah. And so. then you, of course, like stuff like I got here, you know, you can get books that, have them compiled together. Uh, there's people that have done commentaries on each book on, you know, just the kind of hashing them out, what they're about and that kind of thing. Um, even like when I was at Barnes and Noble earlier, earlier, there was a book, uh, just about the book of Jasher. So it was the, the book itself. And I think some commentary on it and some backstory and kind of, you know, digging in, into it and picking it apart kind of thing. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. And also we have some comments in, uh, if you're listening here, you know, like comment, you know, if on YouTube, yeah. subscribe, or if on Facebook, you can like, but you know, we have some con Christ thinker. Yo, what's up, man? <laughs> what is up? Um, and then we have say, a good question. I guess it's referring to this question here. What is the difference between deuterocanonical books and the Apocrypha? So like I said, in, in the beginning of this, the Apocrypha is a, a broad, very broad category of just anything not included within, I guess, the canon of scripture or accepted, mm. um, you know, canon. So that, that could be a lot more things. Deuterocanonical books are a more specific category of those in the deuterocanonical works, which mm -hmm. um, I think I even have, yeah, deuterocanonical books, um, which were part of the Catholic Church canon, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Oriental Orthodox Churches, and the Syrian Church of the East, um, to be part of the Old Testament canonical books. But the Protestant... Uh, denominations, they are considered non-canonical. So gotcha. that is... I was going to ask you about that, actually. So uh, good comment. Yeah. Because <laughs> when, when I was researching everything, I saw that. So I was going to ask you what the difference was there, if you knew. Yeah. It. And these are more specific books, like historical books, like the book of Sirach, Maccabees, Judith, um, the Wisdom gotcha. of Solomon, uh, you know, Daniel, Esther, which is already mm -hmm. in the Bible and stuff. I remember at one point, the Bible app, I think it was for the English Standard Version, um, it was either that or some other like a modern English translation. It actually included uh, a lot of those books um, that you could actually just, they were just there and you could read them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what they were. And, you know, my dad was told me, you know, they're not part of the Bible and all that. So I just kind of stayed away from them. 
but um, I was younger, so I wasn't really studying theology yet. So, mm-hmm. but um, they used to include those in one of those translations, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. I can't seem to find them again. So I don't know if they have that on there or not. But I have to look. Yeah, and the uh, Eastern Orthodox specifically even includes more, uh, including the oh, okay. uh, as first and second Esdras, Psalm one fifty one, third and mm. fourth Maccabees, and the prayer of Manasseh. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, but the Ethiopian Church has Enoch as part of their yeah. just regular canon too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the okay. Ethiopian Church had the Book of Enoch as part of their accepted canon, which is I think the only major church that had uh, the Enoch. Of a part of their canon. They're also okay. um, so you might be thinking, why? <laughs> yeah. Like, why these opinions, these different, you know, opinions of what's accepted in a canon and what's not. Right. And so there's kind of three, I want to break down kind of three big uh, things or definitions. And so one is the meaning of canon. One is the meaning of scripture. And then the other is the meaning of, I guess, inspiration um, and the or God breathed. And so some of these categories of, of writings fall, you know, writings fall into one of these three or multiple of these three categories. And so the question is how and why and which ones. And so uh, I already kind of went over the definition of apocrypha, but to kind of bring things to, um, you know, just definitions of meaning. So scripture itself, right? Scripture is just sacred writings, right? So mm-hmm. sacred writings of a religion, um, it, especially, you know, when we're talking about Christianity and Judaism. So what scripture is just what is considered uh, a sacred writing. And so this doesn't have to be, um, you know, like something that is necessarily God breathed the hundred percent, like perfect. It's just something that is a sacred writing. Yeah. Uh, and that's also doesn't have to be a part of a canon. So, just because something's scripture doesn't mean it necessarily is part of the canon. And so, and it's probably helpful that I explain the definition of canon. So a canon, not, <laughs> not the canon that you shoot things out of, <laughs> like, but, right, different, you know, canon. different type okay. of canon. So a canon in this case is a general law, rule, principle, or criterion, or criterion by which something is judged. So think it comes from the root word, like, like think of a measuring rod, right? And so if I had a measuring rod, um, it, it determines, you know, what is, uh, you know, the accepted measurement of something, right? And so you yeah. judge, you judge everything else by that measuring rod. So if I'm trying to measure the distance of something, you know, a piece of of metal or or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like the the deciding, you know, the, the factor that is is the measuring rod itself, right? So I'm judging the piece of metal or wood by the measuring rod. Uh, not the other way around. So it's the measuring okay. rod that determines um, what is accepted and what yeah. is n- what is not. And so, and we, and we see this used even today when we we look at our churches and we say, "Well, does it line up with scripture?" And so yeah. that's a co- that's a common phrase of "Does it line up with scripture?" Right? And so mm-hmm. that's that's the use of canon because canon is by is some by which you know something is judged, yeah. like a measuring rod. So if if somebody has like thinks they have a, a dream or a prophecy or, or like read something else outside of canon, does yeah. that um, reflect or, you know, it, does it correspond with the actual canon? If, yeah. if it does, then it's, it's truth. If it doesn't, then yeah, you know, it it's not. Especially with Christianity, you've got to, you really have to have doctrine to, yeah. you know, compare everything to, and they didn't just like decide, you know, it wasn't just a, something that the 
early church fathers, the early church just kind of, it wasn't an opinion thing. Like it took a while to, you know, solidify what the canon is, what's true, what's not true. And, you know, make sure that, you know, what we're, what we teach, what we believe, what our Bible is, you know, is um, really considered inspired and true. Yeah. And so, uh, one through rigorous process, (laughs) another comment, the popular book, with non-canonical writings, it's called the Lost Books of the Bible and the Forgotten Books of the. So, th- people will use terms like this, like you were yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like to really spin it as like uh, it's like something you're not supposed to read or not supposed to find because it'll, you know, it contradicts or messes things up. Kind of, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they try to do it, but. And I think I've seen that book before. Um, I don't know if I've seen it online or in a bookstore or where it was, but that title sounds familiar. I think I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to look it up to see if I could uh, buy that, but I have seen it and I was wanting to buy that one, actually see what it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there shouldn't be a stigma to it because just just think in, in this sense, right? Like if you, in a regular sermon, if you go to church, mm-hmm. there's a lot of illustrations, there's a lot of quotations, and people will even quote movies, right? Yeah. Uh, to make <laughs> to drive home their sermon point. Yeah. Right? Um, but it's like, oh, are you quoting from something secular or something outside <laughs> the Bible? Yeah. It's like, well, Paul quotes from a Greek pagan philosopher to make a point. Yeah. Um, and also medical texts, uh, you know, to drive a little point, which is an issue we'll have to cover one day. <laughs> yes. We definitely but, need to do an episode. Yeah. <laughs> on meta, yeah, Greek and medical yeah, texts. But uh and, and Greek anthropology and, and such. But right. um <laughs> that almost made me lose my train of thought. That was so funny. <laughs> It's yeah, an inside that was... joke that you guys will be a part of once we go through a whole episode of Paul's reference of Greek right. know, medical <laughs> material. We'll get there soon, don't worry. Um, yeah, so <laughs> Paul quotes that, and then also Jude quotes the Book of Enoch and the Substance of Moses, which was a good kind of dive, you know, a tr- uh, transition into this series, mm. um, as well from the last two weeks going being in Jude a little bit. Yeah, And so it's not wrong. So mm. you think, well, why does these books, you know, mm. quote from another book in the Apocrypha. You know, is that yeah. wrong? Is it not? Well, you're really going to be um, through, you know, kind of in a tizzy if you think that, because Jesus also quotes from the book of Enoch. What? <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, that, that's that, a shocker. <laughs> so, and he calls it scripture. Oh, okay. Which is pretty interesting. And so you think... Now you're starting to think, well, hold up, because a lot of Wait people a second, had Chan. <laughs> because a lot of people had scripture and canon in the same category. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to explain that they're not. Yeah. So scripture, sacred writing, mm. right? Canon, that which is everything else is measured against. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. So like if if I am comparing a writing, so the basically the book of Enoch is not, let's just say, in the canon, mm-hmm. but the Book of Enoch has to be consistent with the canon of Scripture. So what everything that is, um, I guess, correlates is true, mm-hmm. and then there's things that maybe do not correlate or, or that are untrue. And, and I know some of the historical books um, have a little bit of uh, a few historical, not errors, but, you know... Um, you know, in reference to the Romans and things, you know, like yeah. Maccabees and stuff. And so, you know, is it infallible? Uh, no, something that is, you know, 
let's just say the historical books in this case, they're not they're not infallible, right? Mm-hmm. But the canon is supposed to be, and obviously there's debate on what you know the definition of infallibility yeah. and all that stuff, and people take different views on that, and I respect that. But yeah. the canon is supposed to be that which is maybe not perfect, but that which is everything else, the standard, like you were saying. Yeah. That's, a, yeah. that's a good word. That the Bible is the standard. The canon is the standard by which everything mm-hmm. else is judged. That yeah. doesn't mean it's the only thing in, inspired, which I'll get in the definition of God breathed and inspired. But and it's also not the only thing that is a sacred writing yeah. right, or scripture. Got it? So, now all the Star Wars fans said amen to canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a great uh, comparison with movies. With yeah. What is canon? What is not? Are the cartoons canon? Are the cartoons yeah. not? Like, they're helpful. Yeah. Because they yeah. give you backstory. Yeah. But yeah, if do, you take Star Wars, take Marvel, you know, you got the comic books for Marvel's case. And then Star Wars, you have the, uh, I think it's the legacy books in their case. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not as well versed in that as my brother and probably your brother, brothers. But um, <laughs> Star Wars, yeah, they're in the uh, Star Wars universe. Yeah. But, you know, like first, so in Star Wars's case, uh, you have episodes one through nine. You know, those are. Yeah, I don't accept the last three as part of the canon. It's one through six. <laughs> those are debatable. Yeah. Debatable. <laughs> they're part of the the certain, you know, in, in this case, drawing from. They're part of not the Protestant canon, but the Catholic canon. They're part <laughs> certain, of the, histor- they're the historical ones, books. Certain ones of you have crept in unnoticed. <laughs> and corrupted <laughs> but yeah they uh say so episode seven through nine we'll put those in questionable but one through six yeah we'll put those as you know the for sure canon in star yeah. wars and then yeah. now you've got the uh well i guess you can count them as canon but rogue one um solo star wars story See, it's not an episode but it is a yeah a we'll game. say it's part of scripture so to speak <laughs> And then the one through episodes one through six are canon. You know the other ones will say scripture, and then you got the books that are you know. There's lots of different kinds, but yeah, you can say those are like the apocryphal works or something. Mm -hmm. And even though we're yeah, and even though we're being kind of joking here, it it is a good example because you know not all of these this content is equal per se, right? And so in the same way, not all apocrypha is, is equal and they're, they're good at different things or not good at different or deficient in other ways. Yeah. And so, um, let me go to, I guess the whole, uh, the, where Jesus quotes, right? Yeah. Let's dig into that. That'll be a good little one. So, um, in Matthew 22, 29, uh, he's responding to the Pharisees in this case, and Jesus answered him, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures, right, sacred writings, mm-hmm. nor the power of God. And so he, he kind of gets onto the Pharisees about not knowing the scriptures. And what is mm-hmm. this, you know, the scriptures that he's talking about, right? Obviously the Old Testament, but he, well, actually, I'm just going to read the, the, you know, the whole kind of thing here. And so okay. the same the same day, Sadducees um, came to him who say that there is no resurrection. The Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection, by the way. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offering for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died and having no offspring left uh, his wife to his brother. So two, the second and third, down to the servant, the seventh. And And after them all, the woman died in the resurrection, therefore, on the seventh or of the seven, whose wife will be, will she be? 
before they all had her, right? And so the Sadducees are kind of being facetious a little bit here because they don't believe yeah. in the resurrection. So they're criticizing yeah. the whole Judgment Day resurrection deal. Mm-hmm. And so, but Jesus answered them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And where is he getting this? This isn't in the Old Testament. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that uh, what was said to you by God? Uh, I am the God of Abraham. This is the Old Testament. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished by the teaching. Now, where is where did he get that whole idea about angels, Not you know, this whole thing with marriage and, and all that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to go to a section of... Enoch 15, 5 through 7. And so this is kind of the, you know, the sin of of the sons of God, the sins of the angels here. And so, and though ye were holy, spiritual, living the eternal life, you have defiled yourselves with the blood of women and have begotten children with the blood of flesh. And as the, the children of man have lusted after, uh, hold up, after flesh and blood as though, as those also do who die and perish. Therefore I have given them wives also that they might impregnate them and beget children by them, that thus nothing might be wanting to them on earth. But you were formerly spiritual, living the eternal life and immortal for all generations of the world. And therefore I have not appointed wives for you, for as for the spiritual ones of heaven, in heaven is their dwelling. So in Basically, in heaven, there is, you know, if you in a spiritual sense, in heaven, after you know the resurrection deal, that is, there is no marriage, there is no wives, there is no uh, that deal. And so mm-hmm. Jesus references, don't you know the scriptures that in heaven, in the resurrection, there is no nor married or those given in marriage, right? Right. And so this is, uh, you know, it's kind of a crazy deal because it's like, wait, Jesus, you're why are you telling these, uh, you know? And, and I meant the Sadducees, not the Pharisees. Those are two different groups. The Sadducees here. Um, you know, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Um, so are we to think that, okay, so therefore should it be a part of our canon? Um, maybe. And so the criteria, though, for the canon is a little different. So something that is just sacred writing, scriptures, um, is different than less necessarily just what is canon. And so I already kind of explained the difference there. Yeah. But, you know, how did how do we determine canon? That's the big mm. question. That's I guess it's kind of like, um, well, maybe not. I was going to say it might be like, a, uh, like you said, a pastor quoting a movie or a book. You know, just because he's quoting that to make a point doesn't necessarily mean that we should include the movie in spiritual canon. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, and it, it is they said it's scripture. It is sacred writing. Yeah, it is. So in this case, it is closer to you know being mm-hmm. canon, but it's mm-hmm. not quite there. And so, which is a good segue into First um, or Second Timothy three sixteen, mm-hmm. which then says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, in order that the person of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so all scripture, all these sacred writings, mm-hmm. right, 
Now, again, this is separate from canon. Yeah. Now, is it beneficial to study the Apocrypha? I would say yes. It I is beneficial to study these things. Now, is this by is this material by which everything else is measured? Is this the standard? I would say no. It's not yeah. not all apocrypha is a part of the canon and for good reasons and we'll get into mm. some of those reasons why certain books are included in the Bible and why certain books are not included in the Bible. Because up to this point I've probably thrown a wrench in everything that, you know, <laughs> we're like <laughs> Tearing down all these categories in your mind, and you're thinking, "Oh, yeah. you know." Now I'm kind of freaked out. Is Jesus is quoting from something that's not in the Bible and calling it scripture? And yeah, uh, you know, and, and Jude quotes two books that aren't in, in the Bible, and and like, and like also, we said before, like with the purpose of the podcast, like we're our the per, part of the purpose of the podcast is to not only inform and educate Christians or non Christians, but to cha- also challenge Christians to not necessarily rethink their religion or their belief or their relationship with God, but to investigate and learn and to really be yeah, I know why you really believe. know what they believe and why they believe it. So if we're talking about it and we're you know encouraging you to, you know, think, start thinking about this and studying this, it's, we're not going to teach you heresy. <laughs> if it's heresy, we'll tell you it's heresy, but if it's not, you know, it's, yeah. we're telling we're you know, and we're asking that you study it, you know, for a reason. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, Trust me, we're not trying to, you know, mess with you. We're not being <laughs> purposely uh, trying to destruct anything that is it. But yeah, you know, our mission. Because this isn't bad. I mean, like we said, that people put a spin on it, but it's not bad to read the apocrypha. That's <laughs> you just need to. It's just important to know what it is and what parts you know are good and what parts are you know not as don't hold as much water as the others. But you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, by the way, if you have any questions or, or need clarification on anything that we're saying, you know, you can put a comment in. We'd love for you guys input feedback as we do. Yeah. This. That's why that's why we do it live. We love doing it live because we kind of get this uh, to, you know, we interact with each other, obviously, but then we get to interact with an audience at some level as well, yeah. which is really cool. You know, we could pre-record episodes like we did one pre-recorded before, but I just like this live aspect where, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not staged. It's just, real it's just authentic we just want to mm-hmm. talk about this stuff and brainstorm that's why it's biblical yeah. brainstorm right <laughs> um so what do we do with something that's like okay all scripture all sacred writings are breathed god breathed right mm-hmm. um and yet you know you have things that are scripture and maybe perhaps god breathed but not a part of you know let's just say our bible right yeah is the bible the only thing that is God breathed? Is it the only thing that is scripture? Um, and so, and, and what categories do these kind of go in? Why are some, again, why are some books included in the Bible once, why some are not? Um, so the definition, or let, let me even break down this whole God breathed aspect of inspiration a little bit. So I talked about, you know, God breathed being, you know, everything, all scripture is inspired by God. It's mm-hmm. God breathed. Okay. What does that even mean? Um, but again, even things like the Apocrypha or like Jesus quoting, all these things are profitable for teaching. That doesn't mean these things are are complete orthodox. That doesn't mean these perfect. That mean it's like mm-hmm. all all scripture, all sacred writings is inspired by God in some yeah. way, shape, or form, right? And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And I think you know that. Of course, if you're going to yeah. know stuff and train in righteousness, that's a big part of it. In order that the person 
uh, of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the the competency part because you know yeah. the stuff. Like, what if somebody asked you, like, mm -hmm. well, what about the the Book of Jasher? Why is that not in the Bible, or why is it in one Bible and not in another? Mm -hmm. And it's like if you're not competent to um, answer and be equipped for the good work of the ministry, like these these questions are going mm -hmm. to kind of bog you down, and they're going to kind of catch you off guard. So yeah. hopefully, we are kind of breaking down some of those those barriers or filling in some gaps definitely the pr the priority is to know the bible you know the holy bible the main scriptures and to you know get down the mere christianity part and as you get that part down that's number one priority you know start learning the other stuff that give context or that are even referenced um speak you know meaning the apocrypha you know start reading that extra stuff that gives some context start reading you know historical works that give context to biblical times um, Josephus, um, you know, the, you read Jewish, the, the Jewish writings, yeah, writings read, uh, are good. you know, Reading Plato, you know, Aristotle, like all that Greek stuff that's later on, you know, Paul, uh, you know, interacts with some of the Greek philosophers of his time. And uh, he bunks some of them too. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it doesn't hurt to read literature that it might not be in the Bible, but it was around even the worldview of, you know, the people living when the Bible was written. Because like it's it'd be like now if we us having a conversation with friends or whatever we're gonna reference all kinds of stuff from pop culture or whatever and it just will inform it just is part of our what we think our worldview of just whatever I mean we've made we joke about among us you know references <laughs> which I mean you know if you if thousand years from now people might not know what the heck among us is and mm -hmm. they might think it was they don't they might not understand that part but then once they understand you know the culture and it's a game and people make fun of it you know then they understand why it's funny so in the same way you know if you're reading the old testament or even the new testament when you're reading you know historical works of the time that are just part that are just in the minds of mm -hmm. the people living at that time you'll understand more why they say certain things or why they uh, make certain references to certain things or why they focus on certain themes over other themes. You know, a lot of, a lot of names for God or attributes that they give to God are uh, not that they're wrong, but they are the same things that the Greeks would same names and attributes that they use for Zeus or in the Roman times for Jupiter or things like that. So like Zeus was known as the most high. We call God the most high. Um, I believe they call Caesar. The Caesar. Yeah, the yeah, son of I God. Believe, yeah, I believe they called Caesar uh, the Prince of Peace, too. And, you know, we call Jesus Prince of Peace. So there's a lot of things in Scripture that are, it's not bad to call God that, and it's not wrong that we're calling him that, but it was to give some jabs to, you know, the secular religions It means the time. more when you know the context as yeah. well. Yeah. So a lot of that's context is important to give more meaning to Scripture. And it's also not a bad idea, you know, when you're really you know, grounded in your biblical belief to, you know, start studying other world religions and what they believe so that you, you know, know what they believe and you can, you know, have an answer for them. If someone starts arguing with you about, well, what about this religion? They seem pretty right. And they don't seem like there's anything, you know, why shouldn't I believe in them? Why are they bad? Why are you right? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a bad idea to have, be prepared to give a defense, you know, as the yeah, second Peter, as uh, defense about, for yeah. or first so, Peter. it's one of the Peters. One of the Peters. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, but that's actually a good point with the histor the history context because mm -hmm. that's exactly the difference between the um, Protestant canon and the Catholic canon. Okay. Because the Catholic canon includes books 
the the historical books or historical works which kind of bridge the gap between the old and new testament and so are these these things aren't really necessarily theological in nature and maybe not you know part of what we would say mere christianity or or, or canon right or mm-hmm. even inspired writings per se right they're historical yeah. works um and so but if you're reading a protestant bible for example like i have here right this right. is you know you kind of end right in in the old testament here and then it's like oh well and then you just pick up in matthew one and it's like you have like almost a 400 year gap between them yeah. where you're just like well what happened you know? yeah <laughs> and so <laughs> if you if you read and now I know a lot of people, a lot of pastors or Bible teachers, whatever, say, you know, that was they call it the intertestamental period, um, second temple period, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, either one. But they say that God was silent in those 400 years. Would you agree with that statement that he was silent or that, is that a mislabeling of the time period? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, well, because there was no prophet. OK, um, th- it's the end of the prophetic like yeah. So I guess in that so in case, that there's sense. no there's no voice, you know, of mm. of authority, you know, God. There's, yeah. there's no no prophet, right? Um, and then you have Jesus show up, and it's like, well, well, yeah. boom, you know. So and when they talk about the silent years, it's more in reference of God yeah. speaking through but somebody. That versus, doesn't mean God wasn't working, because obviously He was doing a lot in preparing the way for Jesus mm. and doing a lot of things there, and gotcha. so. Also, the and even the Jewish people, and so all these historical books and Maccabees, for example, which records a lot of these things happening, um, you know, in the Jewish nation specifically, fulfilling prophecy in in the Old Testament. And for for example, Daniel, right? So Daniel prophesies things that are fulfilled in those book, those historical books in the intertestamental period, which mm-hmm. you don't get in just a Protestant Bible. Now, again, these things are are they? theological or they things you know inspired canon what like what whatever mm-hmm. you know that, that's a different question it's okay i'm learning history to understand yeah. what has happened what will happen you know this fulfillment of prophecy you mm-hmm. know things happening in the jewish nation and it's setting up the context for the new testament yeah and so that's uh and i, I think people have a, a general acceptance that like okay I, I get the difference between the protestant canon and the catholic canon and the eastern Orthodox. Eastern Orthodox canon and how those two compared to the Protestant canon include a lot more historical books and and kind of give a lot of context. But I think what some people don't, uh, what gets them a little queasy per se, is <laughs> is well, I get I understand that and like the nece- you know the necessity of including history or not including history based on. Uh, but what about those books that are not included at all? Like, yeah. is are those the hidden books? Are those the lost books of the Bible? Are those did the church keep people? away from from this per se or do they hold the same weight or not yeah and so maybe we can get into that a little bit before i i dive deeper into the whole god breathe and inspiration and stuff yeah see that's definitely not a uh um a thing where it's like they're hiding it from you because if you knew really knew the truth then it would just ruin everything it's definitely not that it's i mean if they're not really if they're not included at all in anybody's historical compilation of biblical books then they must not have been that good or important (laughs) is all it is uh if they were included then there was they were included for a reason like i have a uh an article here from jstore.org uh the author is frank c porter uh the source is the biblical world uh, printed in 1896 uh these are from pages 274 through 279 um he talks here on page 273 
the heading of the um, paragraph says the Protestant view of the Apocrypha. So Protestant, this is what he says. Uh, Protestantism did not exclude the apocryphal books from its Bible, but gave them a separate place and title. Luther put them between the Old and New Testaments with the title Apocrypha, that is, books which are not held equal to the sacred scriptures and nevertheless are useful and good to read. In the Reformed, uh, in the Reformed Bible, they followed the New Testament with the title, These are books which by the ancients were not written nor numbered among the biblical books and also are not found among the Hebrews. The French Bible of Calvin put them between the Testaments as the volume of the apocryphal books contained in the Vulgate translation, which is the Latin translation, mm -hmm. which we have not found in Hebrew or Chaldee. Coverdale's title reads, Apocrypha, the books and treatises which among the fathers of old are not reckoned to be of like authority with the other books of the Bible, neither are they found in the canon of the Hebrew. They kept their place in succeeding English versions, including the authorized, uh, though Coverdale's prefatory words were changed and finally fell away. Although in some early editions, the Apocrypha is omitted, uh, 1629 edition, etc., it was not until 1827 that the British and Foreign Bible Society decided, after a warm dispute, to exclude these books from its publications. Their exclusion marked the final success of long and persistent uh, protests from the side of Puritanism, but it did not drive the Apocrypha from the lectern of the Episcopal Church. In general, the Apocrypha has been regarded more highly on the continent than in England, and in England than America, and more highly by the Lutheran than by the Reformed Churches, and by the Episcopal, Episcopal than by the Independent, in general mm -hmm. more highly by those who view the Bible chiefly as the book of divine service than by those who regard it chiefly as the authority for doctrine. And then he goes into um, the Roman Catholic view, the Apocrypha and the Septuagint, uh, the Apocrypha and the Eastern Church, um, Hellenistic Judaism, Palestinian Judaism. Uh, so it gives a little bit of historical context. So I would, um, or gives a little, not historical context, but he just kind of talks about you know, what it is, who includes it, who doesn't include it, why they include it or don't, that kind of thing. So if you want to uh, look that up, uh, I'll see if I can post it in the comments so you can read it. Not very long. Um, I think it's less than yeah, 10 pages. It's an article. Gives you some so, perspective since it's like, what, 100 years ago? Yeah, pretty much. 1896. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and so... Uh, that line when it's talking about, well, it wasn't, you know, the books that were not um, associated or named even by the Jews as canon of scripture and, mm -hmm. and kind of explaining those things. So in the New Testament, um, even around Nicaea and before, you had church fathers who were explaining, hey, this is uh, this is obviously um, canon. This is obviously not. And uh, even Athanasius uh, in an Easter letter in seven or three hundred and sixty seven A.D., was uh was the first to actually list all 66 books and said okay. hey this is this is the the canon right yeah and so uh the catholic canon was actually added later um and so you're wondering well why why are these historical books was it the, was it the protestants that got rid of the books or was it the other way around and so the old testament canon that we that protestants use um, not only is it the same of the 66 books that Athanasius wrote, and then he did in the same letter talk about how the, there's useful readings like the Shepherd of Hermas and the Wisdom and, and the Apocalypse of Peter and, and things like that. Said so these are useful right. readings, but they're not part of the canon. So even they recognized that at the time, you know, right after Jesus. 
Yeah. But um, but also, and there's they, even that line in the the uh, that part that I read. Uh, where's it at? Uh, where it said the uh, Luther the Luther put uh, put the apocrypha between the Old and New Testament and said apocrypha that is books which are not held equal to the sacred scriptures and nevertheless are useful and good to read. So, so yeah. they're not equal scripture, but they're good and they're useful to read. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and so not only does Athanasius, but then where do we also get this? Because it also mentions the Jews. It wasn't found in their canon. And so right, yeah. the Jews' canon, and so the Council of Gemnia in 90 AD, so this is after the destruction of the temple. This is like the Pharisees getting and the Jewish leaders getting together and like, hey, we need to settle this. What is our canon? Okay. And they arrived at the 39 books that is our Old Testament. And they officially settled the Jewish canon. So you're thinking, okay, well, these Jews, they're officially stamping, okay, this is the Jewish canon, the Hebrew Bible. And this makes up, of course, the Torah, which is the first five books uh, associated with Mosaic authorship. You have the Nevi'im, the prophets, right, which is Joshua, Isaiah, Malachi, etc. And you have the Ketuvim is the writings uh these mm-hmm. are things like the psalms proverbs chronicles etc and then um so these writings right these three categories of writings these are written anywhere between you know the 1200 bc range to 400 bc range okay and so it is said to have been compiled and edited by ezra in the fifth century bc and so this is you know this was the canon of the of the pharisees this was the, the canon of you know the early um you know, Jewish, Jewish leaders. Now you did have the Sadducees, which I mentioned before, who didn't believe in the resurrection. Their canon was only the Torah. They took it a step further. They're like, nope, <laughs> first five books of Moses, nothing more. This is, <laughs> we, we forget the rest, right? Purists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but there were also more political, you know, minded leaders. Um, and so the Essenes, uh, whereas the you know the Pharisees were more religious and, and, and trying to reclaim the Jewish faith and heart and spirit of of, yeah. of Judaism, uh, and then you had the Essenes, which were like the out out in the you know the monks basically there the you know out in caves. <laughs> One could even say a voice in the wilderness, wilderness crying, "Prepare the way of the Lord." Yeah, yeah. So there is some talk some talk about was John the Baptist an Essene? Did he hang out with the Essenes? Kind of that stuff. Yeah. Um, the, we'll these, talk about that at some point. These are where the <laughs> sure. Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, these are where the Dead Sea Scrolls come from. So, if you ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, how they found them in a cave in Qumran, well, the mm-hmm. Qumran community was one of the ASEAN communities. So, you you're talking about all of these writings, right? Um, that were buried, and because you know they they thought tearing up some sacred writings or things with the name of God was kind of, um, you know, bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they would, even. Yeah, heretical, yeah. So they would even, um, bury it. Right. And so mm-hmm. you had, um, you had these, what's interesting though, is those writings did have a lot of, you know, anything sacred writing. So the ASEANs had a lot of things like, um, the book of Enoch and the book of giants and all, all these things. Mm-hmm. And, and these aren't crazy wacky people. These are like very, you know, Puritan oh, yeah. type minded people. And so you're kind of seeing the difference of within Judaism, where it's like you have one group that's like only five books. You have the majority of the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees, especially by the 90 AD with you know this council, which is saying no, these 39 books are the canon. And then you have the Essenes, which tried to preserve all just scripture and sacred writings um, in general, right? Yeah. And so, 
Also, yeah, uh, Seth, good job posting the, you know, yeah, the link there's the article there. for everybody. Anybody <laughs> interested that you know wanted to see the article, the hundred year old article that Seth was reading from. Um, so then you're thinking, okay, that seems a little more reliable now. So if the Jews already decided on this canon, and then now you have the New Testament canon, and we'll get into the New Testament in a, in a future episode. So we're mostly just introducing the topic and talking about um, Old Testament canon. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're kind of seeing, okay, it's not just Christians coming later and making this up. It's like you're seeing the Jews already coming to this. And there's a reason because even though the Essenes were trying to preserve all of these sacred writings, you know, Jews were like, no, but these 39 books, these are the canon. This this is the true Jewish, like, scripture per se. Um, and there's a reason for that. That's because they were written early. They were the ancient. And even I think the, what you said in that uh, article of, like, the ancient, they weren't found with the ancients, you know? It's like yeah. the ones that were found in the ancients, that was the 39 books. Because if Ezra is the one compiling this or, or kind of putting that stop to the, the Old Testament canon... Right. Any writings written after the prophets, then they aren't prophetic writings per se, you know? So so there is this sense of, like, it's not equal with. Yeah. So, like, things like the Book of Enoch, even though it's great, and even Jesus re- referencing it as sacred writing, as scripture, and quoting from it, and Jude quoting from it, because it's good history, it's good, you know, and even the Assumption of Moses and things like that. Yeah. The Jews did not hold the, you know, the all these books quite the same as yeah. the 39 book canon because it's not as old and it's not as authentic in authorship. I and mean, that quote there was the, uh, the French Bible uh, of Calvin. Uh, it said the volume of the apocryphal books contained the Vulgate translation, which we have not found in the Hebrew or the Chaldee. And then Coverdale's title was the books and treaties, which among the fathers of old are not reckoned to be of like authority with the other books of the Bible. Neither are they found in the canon of the Hebrew. So, yeah. yeah, like you were saying. Yeah, this is the canon of the Hebrews, that, which I'm referencing, too, yeah. because this is this is the 39 books. So the 39 books in your Old Testament was the Jewish canon. So that's where you can kind of put your confidence in. It's like, well, what about all these other books, like the Book of Enoch and stuff? And it's like, I love the Book of Enoch. It's, it's a great yeah. writing. It's cool, um, and uh, to even take it a step further, um, I'm going to read from the Wisdom of Solomon, which is a, an apocryphal book, an Old Testament apocryphal book which I quite enjoy. And um, let me, yeah. Yeah. So um, in chapter two of the wisdom of Solomon, right. Um, Talking about the ungodly or the atheists or the skeptic says, for they reasoned unsoundly saying to themselves, short and sorrowful is our life. Hmm. And, and there is no remedy or, you know, solution or, or, ease right uh when a man comes to his end and no one has been known to return from the dead or from hades right because we are we were born by mere chance and hereafter we shall be as though we had had never been because the breath in our nostrils is smoke and reason is a spark kindled by the beating of our hearts when it is extinguished the body will turn to ashes and the spirit will dissolve like empty air our name will be forgotten in time, and no one will remember our works. Our life will pass away like many the traces of a cloud, and be scattered like mist, and is, that is chased by the rays of the sun and overcome by its heat. For our allotted time is the passing of a shadow, and there is no return from our death because it is sealed up late, and no one turns back. Come, therefore, let us enjoy the good things that exist, 
and make use of the creation to the full as in youth. Let us make our fill of costly wine perfumes and let no flower of spring pass, pass by us. Let us crown ourselves with rosebuds before they wither. Let none of us fail to share in our revelry. Everywhere let us leave signs of enjoyment because this is our portion, this is our lot. Let us oppress the righteous poor man. Let us not spare the widow nor regard the gray hairs of the age, but let us let our might be our law of right. For what is weak proves itself to be useless. And and it just goes on. And I'm like, wow, is this not what you hear from people in the world? Yeah. Like people no. who are not believers, they say these this almost exact same thing. And this is like hundred thousands over two thousand years ago, right? Yeah. And they're like, Oh, we're can be merry. Yeah, we're just we're just here by chance. We're yeah. just uh we'll dissolve like thin air, you know, we're there's no point. Let us let us just enjoy the life around us and and leave trails of our of our enjoyment, right? Yeah. Like have wine and and our youth and our strength and mm-hmm. you know because th- th- this is our portion this in life. It's it's just here and now. The earth here, you know, worry about the here and now and you know afterwards uh, you know bodies and ashes and all that. It's like this is you know so interesting how like the the book of the wisdom of Solomon is just calling out this exact thing over two thousand years ago. Um, so yeah, I, like obviously you see the usefulness of this, um, mm. but it sounds very you know very similar and like Ecclesiastes and you know that whole thing was like vanity. Everything's vanity. Nothing matters. <laughs> Life is short. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, but and with it, it being with it being the wisdom of Solomon, do you think he actually wrote it, or do you think the author of Ecclesiastes might have had anything to do with it? So this is this is why why it's not included in the canon, in the Jewish canon, and so which brings to the whole point as well is yeah. that these writings are part of this culture, these mm-hmm. these cultural um, melt not melting pot, but just like thought melting pot per se. All right, it's it's World part even. of it's part of the same trajectory, right? It's in the Jewish community. These things are passed down orally. These things are passed on, right? But these writings are post the prophets. Makes sense? Gotcha. So things, all of these books, including the Maccabees and Jester and Book of Enoch, which references Daniel, and the Wisdom of Solomon, which references, obviously, you see in this case, Solomon's works. And, and all of these these things, these works of the Apocrypha, all of these reference and are part of the same Jewish culture, um, and I would even say that, and it's important for you guys, you know, all to know, that there is a difference between the Jewish Apocrypha or Old Testament Apocrypha and the New Testament Apocrypha. Because the New Testament Apocrypha, which we'll get in later, is like written by Gnostics and others that, you know, it, that kind of pervert and, and kind of lead into heresy real quick. Whereas yeah. the Jewish Apocrypha has a lot more precedence, I would say, or a lot more credibility to it because it's just encapsulating the Jewish and Second Temple Jewish culture. So uh, it's not canon, but it's a good um, resource in how we interpret the Old Testament. So does that make sense? Gotcha. So if, it's like our commentary for the Old Testament. So if I'm reading the Old Testament and I'm like, well, what does some of this stuff mean? Have you mm-hmm. tried reading Second Temple or an intermediate, you know, intertestamental period Jewish literature? Have you read yeah. the Apocrypha? Have you read the history? Have you read things like the Book of Giants, Book of Enoch, the Wisdom of Solomon, things that you know I just read? Have you yeah. read that stuff? 
because even though it's not canon and it's not written by the prophets and it's not in the prophetic in that age and it wasn't a part of the Jewish canon, still the Essenes treated it as scripture or sacred writings. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus calls it sacred writing scripture. Even Jude quotes from it. And it's a good interpretation of the Old Testament. It's good, like it's like a, a good commentary per se, yeah. the Old Testament. The one way I always kind of thought about it was like in a college class, you have your primary textbook for your class. That's the main meat of the subject. But then he'll also give you some supplementary reading, whether it be a list of books. You know, if you have time, read these. It'll give you some more context and what we're talking about mm-hmm. or weekly assignments where it's like read this um, excerpt, read this chapter of this book, um, you know, write something about it, see how it relates to our main book. So it's. You know, the way I view the Apocrypha is it's, you know, supplementary reading to the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of adds to, you know, what our scriptures say. Exactly. Yeah, it, it gives context, right? That's that's the, the point. So I don't want anybody to have this stigma of, oh, I can't read the Apocrypha. Or that's that's not. And you just jump to these extremes of like, well, it's not canon or it's not scripture. Or it's not God-breathed or it's not inspired. Or, mm-hmm. or it's like, okay, it's it's post. It's not a part of the Jewish canon. And therefore, not a part of our canon in the Bible, yeah. Because they were written post Ezra, the post the prophets. They reference these things, but they're great commentary. They're great encapsulation of Jewish culture, Jewish thought, Jew- Jewish theology mm-hmm. in that time period in Second Temple Judaism to understand the Old Testament and to lead us into the New Testament and to mm-hmm. get these same things. Because, like we we reference, the New Testament does reference these writings. Yeah, it does. You know, it's not like you know, we kind of have it in our minds that we read the end of the Old Testament and it's like, boop, big gap. It's like nothing happened in between and then New Testament as if there's mm-hmm. no, no, no context. It's like, well, no, the writers of the New Testament understood what was happening at the time and before and they referenced and they quoted these things and, and these writings, etc. So they are important. They're not canon because they were never considered canon. They were considered scripture like I said, by the New Testament and by the Essenes. Yeah. They were considered scripture, sacred writings, possibly even God-breathed, which I'll get in the definition of that. Mm-hmm. But they weren't a part of, they weren't the measuring rod. They're not by which everything else needs to be judged. Mm-hmm. They're not the canon, right? And it's kind of like um, another thing that's probably worth mentioning too, as far as context and historical Um, interpretation, stuff like that. Uh, I know a lot of people like to study the um, rabbinic writings when they're doing uh, research on whatever, whether it be personal study, sermon Mm -hmm. prep, uh, writing papers, you know, anything like that. And it's good resource, but the rabbinic writings are mostly written post-New Testament. So Mm -hmm. they weren't written during the Old Testament and they weren't written at the time they're written afterwards a commentary on it exactly so you know even though the rabbinic writings are good they're not as good as second temple literature or the apocrypha as far as giving context and it's hilarious because i I, like i know people like it it, they'll have a stigma towards the apocrypha but they but they will look at rabbinic sources source material so they'll they'll have no problem looking at jewish commentaries and medieval jewish commentary and rabbinic stuff but then they'll be like, oh, wait, the Apocrypha, that's intertestamental yeah. Jewish writings. That's that's a little, you know, it's not a part of scripture. It's not a, again, and they'll make a list. Yeah. It's like those intertestamental writings, Second Temple Jewish writings, are better, way better in mm-hmm. interpreting the Old Testament yeah. than 
the rabbinic and medieval Jewish writings are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only from proximity, you know, and it's probably and it also some of it probably also has to do with just the the way they're presented. Because <clears throat> you think with like rabbinic writings, well, it's rabbis. That's Old Testament. That's scripture. I mean, that would that sounds legit. Yeah, and then really. the apocrypha sounds scary. It sounds you know. Yeah. apocalyptic or you know heretical or whatever so mm -hmm. some of that probably also is presentation and then i think just lack of education or knowledge or understanding or whatever of not really understanding what it is so you either stay away from it out of fear or just you don't even know where to begin so you just stay away from it tell people stay away from it not important mm -hmm. it's not essential so just don't think about it you know kind yeah. of thing like that so but it's so, important to study so I encourage all of you, you know, just even if you have that, it's like, no, it's well, it's not it's not Jewish canon. It, it wasn't Jewish canon in the first century, and it wasn't Jewish. It's not part of our canon now. It's not mm -hmm. primary reading like, you know, Seth, you were saying with, with the school example. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage you, hey, go get a Catholic Bible, get an Eastern Orthodox Bible, get some Apocrypha, get like the Book of Enoch, get some of the stuff, read it, yeah. and then read the Old Testament again. You're like, ah, I, under, I understand the context. Or even read the New Testament after. It's like, I understand... Mm -hmm what they're getting at here i can understand yeah. what they're talking about here because you know at the new during the new testament especially in the gospels um they didn't have a new testament yet because they were living it so all <laughs> they had was the old testament and the second temple writings yeah so exactly you know, that, that's where they're pulling their source material from and for most of the new testament in general you know mm -hmm. they're living out the new testament as they're writing it or it was within their lifetime so they didn't have a New Testament. It was all the Old Testament and Second Temple. Mm -hmm. So, you know, John, you know, quotes from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, they're pulling from the Old Testament, just, you know, standard canon. Some of them have some references here and there, possibly of, you know, some apocryphal works. Like um, Jesus with, uh, yeah. with the book of Enoch, yeah. And then you've got um, Jude. You've got, um, you know, Revelation, I'm sure, pulls some things. Um, but it's all... <clears throat> It's, it's not bad to read the Apocrypha because that's, you know, stuff that was in their mind and their thinking, stuff that they're being taught, stuff that they're reading um, along with the Old Testament. So it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that, that's true. And so um, the whole, the canon, you know, itself, and we'll talk about New Testament canon as well. Um, they did have, again, all of this is very different from, the New Testament Apocrypha. So that's why mm. I'm separating these into two categories, Old Testament Apocrypha, New Testament Apocrypha. Yeah. Old, Testament Apo Old Testament Apocrypha is much more credible. Yes. It's much more, it, like I said, it's secondary. It's not canon. It's not seen as primary reading, but it is capturing Jewish commentary and interpretation of the Old Testament mm -hmm. culture. New Testament Apocrypha, very different. There's some heresy, you know, heretical yeah. groups, Gnostic, you know, their later writings about Jesus that aren't historically accurate per se. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of things. But when we're talking about Old Testament Apocrypha, they are Second Temple writings. You know, these things are like the Book of Enoch, um, Book of Giants, Dead Sea Scrolls. That's a big part of that. Um, mm. Only in select few later canons like the Catholic canon and like the, you know, certain Christian canons after. But it wasn't in the Jewish canon, right? Yeah. That, that was the part uh, that I wanted to emphasize. And so these are historical and sometimes prophetic. You know, they're quoted in Jude and in Peter and by Jesus um, you know, they're highly respected by Jews and even the Pharisees. They read them, but the, the Pharisees didn't consider them 
canon, mm-hmm. right? And if it's the Sadducees, they didn't they didn't care about any of it being canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this includes, you know, the same category of the intertestamental writing. So again, um, some of these are also by Hellenistic Jews. So not all Old Testament apocrypha are equal either, because a lot of these are history post, um, you know, this kind of Hellenization. Uh, which mm-hmm. is the Greek Greekification per se? That's what that means. <laughs> um, you know, what's the difference? No, she, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Greekifying yeah. of of the world. Um, and so, Palestinian Jews did not include some of these texts in their canon, like I've already mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Hellenistic Jews did, but when they kind of settled it, the deal, it's not at all. Yeah. Um, oh, like I have a student. <laughs> Yo, what's, <up? laughs> what's going on? What's up, man? Yeah, and so glad you can join us. And so th- some of these also are like first and second Maccabees, which I mentioned. Um, some of these are revered in the Western Church, uh, like the historical books. And then there's mixed opinions in the Eastern Church, like I said, different mm-hmm. canons. Um, but there is, you know, some of these specifically like Maccabees, they're, they're historical, but not prophetic. Right. Yeah. And so this is this is kind of the point of those of those writings is the Old Testament canon, the historical books, the, the uh, intertestamental stuff. These are supporting material, but they're not. They were never considered by the Jews as primary canon, you know, literature. Yeah, it's not the it's not the judge. Yeah. So I mean, uh, one thing I was uh, I'm sure we'll get to it, but I was going to ask uh, because you have the apocrypha and then you have the pseudepigrapha. So what would be the difference between those, in your opinion? So or from so, your experience, yeah. So, pseudepi- so pseudepigraphy is the concept or, or the the idea of somebody writing a work um, that is that is not them. So let, let's just mm. say you were writing a work that, hi, I, Chandler, uh, you know, yeah. saying these things uh, mm. on behalf, you know, or not even behalf, like you're just claiming to mm. be Chandler and you're writing work. That would be a pseudepigraphal work because okay. uh, you, uh, you know, you're not Chandler, but you're writing it as Chandler. So that's pseudepigraphy. So that would be more, that would fall more under like a writing style category rather than a collection of um, yes. like a scripture thing. Because yeah. I know sometimes like you'll see the Apocrypha or the Pseudepigrapha or the Deuterocanonical, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Those so terms. that's what, so that's another term that's used as Pseudepigrapha. So like mm-hmm. Enoch would be Pseudepigrapha because. Yeah, because didn't Enoch didn't write it. it. Exactly. Yeah. So Enoch, and, the book of Enoch is great history and culture and theology from what's encapsulated in Jewish thought. But it wasn't written by Enoch, and it also wasn't an early during the prophetic time, uh, you know, time period. So thus, it was never considered canon. Yeah. Does that make sense? So even though it's called scripture, even by Jesus and by you know, like Jude reference quotes it and everything, it's not considered a part of the the canon. Um, and yeah, so pseudepigraphy is this idea of somebody writing a play. And you'll see New Testament pseudepigraphal works such as, um, like, this is the, the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Thomas. Well, it's like mm-hmm. these people actually didn't write it. Yeah. So <laughs> they it's pseudepigraphy because it's not written by that person. And this isn't yeah. a deceptive thing, but it was something that was a writing style back then, like you're you're mm-hmm. encapsulating the, the thoughts of this person. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I'm uncommon. writing. Yeah, it wasn't uncommon per se. Um, I love to read other supporting documentation, if you will, to the Bible. One of my favorites is Josephus. He's writing subsolidified scripture moment. Yeah, we love Josephus. We mentioned him quite a bit, or yeah. we've read him before. So Josephus, Josephus, for those who you don't know, uh, or for those who don't know, I mean, um, mm-hmm. 
is a first century Jewish historian, which records a lot of the histories of the Jewish people, including antiquities and some of those works. And so, yeah, like he, he um, he's not writing per se like theological works, but it's good to mm-hmm. read his um, works. And so I would even put this in a category of supporting, but also secondary to even the Apocrypha. So mm-hmm. because the Apocrypha are even earlier writings than Josephus. And so if you have like Old Testament canon, right, which is compiled by the prophets and Ezra and all that stuff, like this is yeah. the 39 books of the Old Testament. This is canon. And then you have later, you have these other books, these intertestamental works, the like the Book of Enoch, the Book of Giants, the Book of Jasher, First and Second Maccabees, all these later writings. Um, these are good. These are secondary to that. And then I would say even later historians and rabbinic stuff and Jewish thought like, you know, Philo and Josephus and mm-hmm. sources like that, or I guess third, <laughs> like third, not secondary, but secondary to the secondary. Right. <laughs> third area. I don't even know the word for that. Primary, secondary, and yeah. something. Yeah. Um, it's like you got the main title, which is the canon. You got like the subheading, which is the apocrypha, and then the subheading to the subheading. Which is, yeah, commentary and history and, and yeah. all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. So that that's that's that. Um, I do have a book. Uh, the Josephus is the works of Josephus in my library, and they're back there. So I do, you know, have his stuff too. Pretty good, pretty uh, amongst good. some other, you know, juicy stuff. <laughs> yeah, and some a lot of these writings in the Apocrypha and also in just the Old Testament. So if we're talking about the Old Testament, these are written in either Hebrew, Aramaic, um, or Greek. And some of the later ones are written in Greek. So the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, but it was translated in Greek. And then some of these Second Temple Apocryphal writings, some of them also are, you know, translated or written in Greek. Mm-hmm. So, but most of them are Hebrew and some Aramaic. And so this is, you know, you can tell. When something is the like how late something is or how early something is also by the language too because you have hebrew and then you have aramaic and then you have greek and so you kind of see the progression there as well in the language that's on the sources as well so jesus spoke aramaic right yes because that would have been first yeah first century palestine yeah that that whole deal there so and in the passion of the christ i think they did have the actors learn did they have them learn aramaic or did they have them learn hebrew Probably a few phrases in both, I'd imagine, because I, okay. I remember a couple lines where they had to, like, you know, say some things yeah. like that. Yeah. But that was one cool part about that movie was how they kept it accurate in that respect, that they actually spoke the language instead of speaking English and just yeah. had subtitles. Yeah. And The Chosen, even though it's in English, The Chosen's have been a cool series recently. I mean, obviously, it's not, like, 100% historical accurate, and they have to take some license and liberty for making a show but i think i what i like about the show the chosen too is that it encapsulates the the some of the world like um you know having a diverse populate like uh acting group having the the arc like not archaeology but kind of the the physical things around them are looking like a first century place and yeah you know like looking like first century palestine so i like i know you've, I know you've referenced that before but where can i watch it um i think it's an app and oh, then I watch, yeah, it's the chosen app, and I I play it, I airplay it from there. But it's pretty, you know, okay. it's pretty decent. And what's funny is the first season, like the Pharisee, he even quotes, you know, like you can, um, the whole like the holy ones, and says some of these things that are in Second Temple writing. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. also showing that it, kind of their culture and stuff. That's pretty. Uh, cool. That's pretty like little reference there, but but yeah, um, yeah. Did you have anything else for the? the apocrypha old testament apocrypha um before i get into the whole idea of, of god breathed 
and stuff. Um, I think that I think we pretty much covered it. It's just you know, like you said, the Old Testament apocrypha. You know that stuff's good to read. The New Testament, maybe not so much. We'll get into that. But you know, the Old Testament apocrypha definitely. I would recommend getting you know a book of the apocryphal works, or even just finding them online and you know, um, reading them, but also reading some commentary on them. Uh, so that way you can kind of get some context from scholars or people that are more familiar with the work, kind of explaining things to you, and then it'll kind of make more sense to some of your um, some of your uh, reading of the Old Testament and even the New Testament. I know Dr. Michael Heiser has a um, reading companion book for the Book of Enoch that just came out. So it's um, just kind of guides you through the book kind of thing. I know there's, uh, I think Ken Johnson's wrote a few books on the uh, couple apocryphal works. Um, I can't remember all of them. I think he did Jasher. Um, I think he did one on Gad the Seer or somebody. Uh, he's written a couple on that, and then he's done some on um, some different works that were found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, that had to do with uh, the patriarchs, um, some different things on israelite kings and whatnot so i mean he's he's part of he's been he has access to a lot of dead sea scroll research and stuff like that and that's what he likes to study and it might not be stuff that's out for the public to read yet but he gets to kind of early access to it and he'll put out work on it and write about it and um so ken johnson's a good one to look for for um kind of like getting someone to guide you through the books or at least a few of them uh, Michael Heiser is another good one, um, but yeah, definitely try to start, you know, slowly. Yeah, if you guys are, study. yeah, if you guys are interested in any specific apocryphal works or kind of like about it more recent, like actual research to read, just let us know and we can always send it to you as well. But mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about it here as well. So yeah, um, but yeah, that the you know the apocrypha again, the Old Testament is what we're mainly doing today, and so you kind of see the difference between um, scripture, canon, and then now I'm going to talk about God-breathed, okay? So all these things we kind of put in our minds as the same category, but these are actually three different things, and there's books that don't fit into all three or one of the three or some of these categories, mm -hmm. um, and so one of these categories is God-breathed, and we see here in Second Timothy, and um, yeah, I already read that all scriptures God breathe. I read that verse. And so kind of breaking it down in the study Bible here. So um, the, the all scriptures, so the Greek phrase used here, posagraphe, may refer to the totality of scripture or every or to every passage of scripture. And so we meant scripture, uh, we talked about scripture being a sacred writing, all that. And so this could be even writings outside of the Bible that is considered a sacred writing, like the Essenes talked about. So the Essenes had a bunch of these books that are scripture, sacred writings, but they're not a part of the canon. Makes sense? Yeah. They're not a part of the canon of scripture, but you have sacred writings. Um, but here, uh, Timothy seems to make a declaration that all scripture, right, is inspired or breathed out by God. And so Paul uses the Greek term theonoustos. So uh, pneuma, meaning like we have pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit or the theology of the Holy Spirit. So pneuma. Pneuma meaning like breath, like spirit, Holy Spirit, right? And mm -hmm. so uh, this this Theo, which is God, so God is, you know, Theo, theology is the study of God. So Theo, Neustos, so God breathes. 
So that's that's about the extent of Greek I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know a little bit of terms here and there, but yeah, yeah. Theo Neustos, but I definitely don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Theo Neustos, right? Here meaning God breathed to assure Timothy that scripture is in fact from God, although God used people to produce the scriptures, which again is referenced in Second Peter 1, their ultimate origin is God. So by contrast, the false teaching that Timothy opposed comes from evil forces who spread their doctrine through errant, uh, you know, or infallible teachers mm-hmm. uh, in 1 Timothy 1, 3, and 7. Uh, yeah, 3 through 7 and 4, 1. So this is, yeah, so this is, um, you see the, you know, Scripture is obviously written by people, to people, mm-hmm. but its ultimate origin is is through God. And so a lot of people have, di- you know, opinions on inspiration, but also the, the terminology used, and I think in Second Peter, so let me try to go to that. Um, so we're going to, yeah, every, that every prophecy of Scripture does not come from, come about from one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men carried along by the Holy spirit spoke from God. And so this terminology here of being carried along by the Holy spirit and this God breathing, this is actually uh, in this second Peter passage, like a passage um, sailing um, terminology. So think okay. of you think you're on a boat right in the ancient world and you're on a ship. And so you're the one that is, stirring the ship you're the one that is you know putting the sails up you're the one doing all these things but notice the wind is what carries along the ship Mm -hmm. the wind the wind in the sails like you're not getting anywhere without the wind pushing you know breathing into you know carrying along the ship so even though there's people you know so, so you can even ask, like in this in this kind of semi uh, rhetorical way, it's like, well, uh, if if a boat gets from one destination to another, was it the sailor who got it there, or was it the wind who got it there, mm. or was it both? Because you can make an argument either way, yeah, right. And so, both this working same, in tandem. Yeah, this the same terminology where, in one sense. Uh, you have people, and I, and I even like this idea of of the boat as well, which it, it's actually using here <laughs> in the Greek in the terminology here. It's it's with because it's not one person just doing, you know, on a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's multiple people. Like if you're on a boat and you're the only one on a big vessel trying to get from one place to another, you're you're having some problems. Yeah. You know, you got to have one captain. You got to have one somebody steering the ship. You got to have somebody working on the deck. You have to have people, you know, lifting the sails. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of different people with different jobs doing a lot of different things on the boat to yeah. make sure that it gets from point A to point B, right? But all, no matter what they do, it's still at the end of the day the wind that is driving it to its destination. Yes, yeah. bringing breathing life into the sails. And so it goes when, back to that old theological saying, it's not an either or, it's a both and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's so applicable every time we use it. Yeah, but it, it goes even back to what we were saying uh, a couple of weeks ago. Remember with the Romans passage, and maybe I can find it again, mm-hmm. um, where it, did Paul write Romans, right? And here's an interesting, oh, yeah. here's an interesting thing uh, in verse 21 of Romans 16, at the end of Romans in, in chapter 16, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius 
and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsman, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. And Gaius, who is the host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cortius, greets you. And then he goes through the doxology. It's like, wait a second. Paul, you're saying Paul, this guy Tertius wrote Romans and not Paul? It's like, <laughs> no, but yes. <laughs> well, yes, but actually no. <laughs> so Paul is using a scribe, using uh, a secretary in this case, which is not uncommon in the in the ancient world. The writers would have secretaries to actually write the work, uh, or they would give thoughts, or they would write something and then have them edit it, or they would just give it to them directly to write and encapsulate the thought in a coherent way. But Just kind of dictate to them what they're wanting to say. Yeah, you know, they could dictate or they could not. It, it's it, There's a lot of variety here. So you're thinking, well, what about authenticity? It's like, again, we're not, the emphasis is not on the person mm-hmm. because you have a lot of different people on the boat that are working different things. But yet at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who penned it or who said it or who whatever. All And, and you have all the books of the Bible written by different people, spoke, you know, given by different people over a thousand years, all this stuff. Right. Yet it's God who breathed life through scripture into the mm-hmm. sails to to carry it along so yeah. you know this passage for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men carried along by the holy spirit spoke from god like i just love this analogy because in one sense they're thinking that they're doing everything right mm-hmm. um you know they're they're writing you know they're they're the ones steering the boat but at, at the at the end of the day they're actually not getting anywhere it's the it's the wind that is is carrying it along another way you could kind of think about it is like um playing an instrument so like you'd say god's the musician he has a song in mind that he wants to play or he's writing in the process of writing a song but he needs something to help make the song so you have to have a guitar you have to have an amp effects pedals even if you want to get really detailed and you know god is you know the musician we'll just say the musician the musician has a sound in mind he has a song he's trying to convey. He has a particular kind of guitar he knows he wants to use, particular amp, and he uses those, the characteristics of both to project the message, the music. So in a similar way, you know, God has the message he wants to convey, and he chooses the writer and the time period and just all the circumstances and everything to produce the message. Yeah. Exactly. So in a way, we're like I'm not a musician, but that's a good analogy. <laughs> I know you're a really good musician, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, we're all guitars and amps, you know. Don't you play guitar and drums, or is it just? I play drums too, primarily drums, but I tend to like guitar more, even though I'm better at drums. <laughs> nice. Any other instruments, or? Um, I can apply some of what I know in guitar to bass, but that's about it. Gotcha. So just guitar and drums primarily, and then tiny bit of bass. Nice, nice, nice. So, uh, so I was gonna go through this. Uh, so, the- Theo Neustos, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this, uh, and you know, of course, this inspired by God and profitable in the same uh, sense. So, Scripture is valuable because it corrects false teaching while building up believers to live godly lives. So, anything again that corrects false teaching builds up holy lives that. Is, you know, the definition of scripture is sacred writings, right? And so this idea of God breathed, right? 
this this term theonustos, right? Yeah. It says the word here theonustos only occurs in the New Testament in Second Timothy three sixteen. Its precise nuance is uncertain. It may be a compound word, which of course you know theo God and nustos breath or spirit, which I mentioned, meaning God breathed, based on other compound words in the New Testament, such as uh, yeah, like theo didactos, which may be uh, rendered taught by God, etc. In First Thessalonians, um, so Paul was referencing the Old Testament here, of course. Um, but here I was going to skip down to let me find the part here. Oh, so this is the important part I was trying to mention. Okay. So the early church fathers used Theonustos to refer to non-canonical writings. Okay. The Council of uh, Ephesus condemnation of Nestorius is referred to as their inspired decision. Um, Auton Theos Nusto Chrysios and the inscription mm. over and so um, and even uh, Clement's writing to what was it the Ephesians or somebody like an early church writing they mm. believed that what they were writing was inspired by God. Now th now notice this. Is this heresy? No, because these are the guys, the early church fathers. They're the ones that are determining the canon. They're saying, mm -hmm. this is canon. This is canon. This 66 book, like Athanasius, early church father, defender of orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. This is These 66 books, this is canon. Other writings are useful to read, but these are the, you know, and all the yeah. ch early church fathers. So like, yeah, these are the, these are, this is the canon of scripture. This is yeah. by which everything else is measured against. This is God breathed. But notice that's not the only thing that God has is working in that is inspiring. That's giving life into the sails, which makes yeah. sense, right? You would hope that um, if you're preaching, right, that it's not just, yeah. we pray, we pray it all the time. Lord, let, let it not be me speaking these words, but like, Lord speak through me. Like yeah. we just pray simple things like that. Like Lord, we all read Christian books that you know speak to us or help other people to mm -hmm. you know, improve their relationship with God. Same kind of thing. You know, that's not a book of the Bible, but it's helping people and it's adding to or um, you know, maybe not adding to, but um, reflecting. You know what we what is in believe. scripture, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you if you notice there, if there is a writing or you say something, right, does it line up with the canon, the scripture? Because again, the yeah. the canon is a the lot measuring of those. rod. Yeah. <laughs> the, what is what is the measuring rod? The measuring rod, the canon, by everything is measured against. That is this is the Bible, right? Yeah. But notice there are things that are sacred writing, scripture, right? These apocryphal works that are. Possibly, like in this case, God breathed or early church writings, which are God breathed, which they would mm. use the same term that where that God is working, God is is breathing life into the, these writings, that He's uh, you know using this to bring change into the world and reach the lost, etc. But notice, all of this has to line up with the Bible, the canon, yeah. with other sacred scripture. There's a consistency. There's a line. There's a yeah. thread, right? There are not new or added books of the Bible. Shout out uh, John Smith or whatever his name is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, there's a there's also a comment here. So prophecy in chapter 2 of Second Peter doesn't mean predicting the future here, either the Greek word pro prophetia or prophetia from where we get the word prophecy means a discourse from divine inspiration. Yeah, good point. So mm -hmm. prophecy, 
Uh, I heard it this way, that prophecy is like speaking the mind of God in real time. Yeah. And so that it's could... not always like a you know predicting the future fortune teller yeah. kind of thing. Sometimes you know God will speak to future events, but it also mm-hmm. just means you know speaking what God's already, excuse me, what God's already spoken. Yeah, or yeah, kind of thing. exactly. It's it's God's heart per se. It's more yeah. about the it, yeah, like like there is an element of prophecy which is futuristic, but people yeah. get hung up on that and yeah. they think that prophecy in the meaning of itself is predicting, and like that's probably a very small portion of prophecy. Um, or at least a portion, but not the main portion of prophecy. But really, yeah. it's like you know, even this definition, right? Which means the discourse—it's divine inspiration. It's, mm-hmm. it's prophecy, right? And so, um, I mean, obviously, this gets into maybe we need to do a whole episode on the gifts of the spirit as well with That'd probably prophecy good, yeah. and, and cessationism versus um, continuationism. Which, um, yeah. but, but it's interesting because you know, people. And I would say in, in a continuationist in this regard, right, that is that people uh, do people hear from God? Do people have divine inspiration? Uh, yes, I would I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Did the early church post canon scripture? Did they think that some of their writings were inspired by God? Yes, they used the same phrase, theonusta, right? And it's kind of like in the I can't remember what if it was in Samuel first or second Samuel or. Where was that? But it's like uh, when Saul was looking for David and he found him in the temple, God was protecting David. And as soon as uh, Saul's men and Saul himself entered the temple, they fell down and began prophesying and didn't touch David. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he sat there. You know, it says that he did that for a long time. And it's like you can't you can only <laughs> prophesy the future for so long to somebody. So that's you know, you can tell that's not what he's talking about. Yeah. He's just proclaiming, you know what God's already spoken and proclaiming God's work kind of thing. Yeah. Not all prophecy is predictive in nature. So that's another example. More revealing divine revelation or, or inspiration. And so, uh, it's, it's good that we're talking about this, right? Because, uh, I know people have questions of like, okay, well, why are certain, certain books of the Bible included or not included? And so hopefully you guys got a sense of these categories because it's like, okay, so there is, there is something, that there is scripture, sacred writings that are not in canon, mm-hmm. but they're not bad, but they're not at the same level, right? They're of yeah. authenticity or other things. And then there's things that are inspired post and pre canon that are beneficial to people. To, that is God, God using writings. And even today, right. we, we ask, Lord, let, let, you know, let it be your words, not mine. If I'm talking to a lost person, or if I'm doing like God, things are yeah. and writings are God breathed, but that doesn't mean that it is necessarily has to be in the canon. It yeah. it has to anything that is claimed to be God breathed has to be in line with the canon. That's the point of the canon. The point of the canon is to be the standard. It is to be the measuring rod by which everything else is judged. So any yeah. anything that's claimed to be sacred writings or scripture or anything that is claimed to be God-breathed or inspired by God or, or you know, God-breathing life into it, all those things have to be judged by the canon, by the Bible, by the standard. Makes sense? So if there's something yeah. that doesn't line up with the standard, with the canon, then it can be dismissed, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that just because something isn't in the canon, that it needs to be ignored. The purpose of the canon is to judge other things it doesn't mean that it's the only thing that we need to know so it's like if somebody yeah. said well i'm only learning the bible I'm not reading any other books it's like well 
but the point of the Bible is not just to, to know it, the content, but it's also that it's supposed to be the standard by which we judge anything else that we read. Yeah. So if you're not reading anything else, then you're not actually using the, the measuring rod to judge other things. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, it, and it may sound complicated, all this stuff. Like we got all these different categories. Like it means this, but it doesn't mean this. It means that, but it doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're you know talking about all these different things, how they're related, not related. But, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. Like we're talk- the Bible talks about. You know, we started off, I think it was Paul says you start off with milk and then you move to meat. And, you know, using that analogy where when you're a baby Christian, you know, you start off with the basics, mere Christianity, salvation. And as you progress in your faith and your walk with God, you have to you need to learn the deeper things and the more tough things. And it brought me it reminded me of this quote um, is from Dr. Michael Heiser's Instagram. And the post, the quote uh, that comes with he has a. Uh, I guess a caption or just he, he expands on it, but a quote from him. If you don't think Bible study is work, you aren't doing it. And it goes on to, yeah. <laughs> and, he goes, and, and he expands on that and says, uh, quote, serious study of the Bible should produce people who can trace the argument of the text or follow a theological breadcrumb trail through a book or section of the Bible. Working in a text means discerning its literary structure intelligently created by the original authors to communicate to an audience that would have seen what they were doing. If that sounds like work, it is. If you don't think Bible study is work, you aren't doing it. Serious Bible study requires spending time in the original text and learning the art of reading the scripture as literature because that's what it is. Biblical writers do not work without agendas or strategies, or they did not work without agendas or strategies. Their work isn't random. They were careful and deliberate about what they were writing. Inspiration isn't a synonym for amateur hour, end quote. So big burn. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, Bible study is work and it's just like anything else. It's, you know, if you want to understand, then it's not, you know, not everything is, uh, we live in a world of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and uh, one liners and, and quick news and Twitter. So, you know, everything in 180 characters, but also, you know, that's why I like the podcast because we can't just, I could produce and maybe in the future I might produce like smaller level videos explaining things mm-hmm. uh, that are in you know, a one-off things. But yeah, I like the podcast format because we're able to flush these things out. Yeah. And that's the point. Like it's still only the tip of an iceberg. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we could go on, you know, forever. And especially if yeah. we, we continue to, to read and read and it's like, yeah, like yeah. It, it is work, but it's also enjoyable work because it's, it's, good work. it's the best work yeah. in the world. Um, it's like, you know, it's like, um, what's the word, um, like farming or raising, you know, crops or whatever. It takes time. It takes work. You know, same with raising animals or working out. You know, it's another one of those things where it's it's work, but it's enjoyable. At least in my case, I enjoy working out. But <laughs> um, it's beneficial work, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. You know, I need to get back in the gym. That's yeah. my summer plan as well. But yeah, I, I probably should have had a chart for some of these definitions. But like, I hope some of you guys understood. Like, okay, what is apocrypha, right? What is mm-hmm. apocrypha? Um, what you know, things that aren't included in, say, you know, in, in canon and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So you have canon, you have apocrypha, which are things not in, included in canon. Uh, then you have. <laughs> I, I love this. I, I I had to stop what I was saying to read this <laughs> comment because that that is just too funny. <laughs> Pretty sure that Roethlisberger journey doesn't align with the canon. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. So I live I live in Texas, so there's a lot of cowboy fans, and 
Yeah, Seth, it's funny. You are a huge Cowboy fan, but yeah, you don't live in Texas, so... I know, yeah. You, you need <laughs> I'm to a Cowboy here. fan, and I live in, te- uh, live in Florida. Yeah, Man. I'm, a, I'm a big Steelers fan. I, I had to re- represent... Because we always talked about wearing our stuff. You wore your jersey one day, but I haven't worn this yet, so I like. Yeah. I got to bring out the Steelers jersey. And that's why I got the mic colors that I got. It's a blue mic with the gray oh, okay. uh, wood cover, so I got the Cowboys colors. At least I guess lovely. mine is black, so it's Steelers, yeah. Yeah, I and then today... That, but... And today I'm actually wearing uh, my Jacksonville Jumbo. Oh, shirt. go Bears! Okay, Bear fan. Oh, okay, Dub Bears. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Fields. Bears, Bears sound more menacing than the Jumbo Shrimp. That's for sure. This is the Marlins, I think, Triple A team here in Jacksonville. So. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the Jumbo but, Shrimp. The, yeah, they used to be the Suns. I, what, no I wonder what the hat was. It like the logo. Oh yeah, yeah, it's baseball, minor leagues, nice. just here in Jacksonville. So, so anyways, <laughs> we have Cannon. <laughs> So trying to, you know, I should have made a chart, but you have canon, what we talked about today, meaning that which is the measuring rod, that which is, you know, the Bible, the things mm-hmm. where everything else needs to be judged, the standard canon. Yeah. Then you have the apocrypha, which is things that are not in the canon, things that, uh, you know, of scripture, things that are not in uh, of the standard. And there's yeah. different levels of that uh, and categories within that. And even New Testament, Old Testament, et cetera, apocrypha. Mm-hmm. And then we have... Um, you know, inspired, uh, God breathed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, things that are are carried along by the Holy Spirit, by God bringing, giving breath into things. And we've, you know, seen how things that are in the canon and not in the canon are God breathed. God is working in things that are not just in here, but the canon is there so that it would we judge it by it, right? So yeah. if you say, hey, this this came, this word, this, this writing is from God. Well, does it line up with this, the, the yeah. standard? If not, then it's not God-breathed. Makes sense? So if we don't have a standard, then any anything goes. Anything goes, yeah. exactly. And then you don't have any standard. But there are things that are <laughs> in the canon and not in the canon which are God-breathed, right? Mm. Uh, and we still see that today. Like, Lord, let it be you speaking through me, not me, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have scripture, which just means sacred writings. So sacred writings, mm-hmm. scripture, especially in Old Testament or Jewish literature, right? The Essenes, they mm-hmm. had a lot of scripture, right? Book of Enoch. And th- that's why Jesus quotes the Book of Enoch and calls it scripture, like I read mm-hmm. you know, earlier in this episode. So mm-hmm. he calls that scripture. It's like, wait, does that mean it should be part of the canon because Jesus calls the Book of Enoch scripture? No, because there's a difference between canon and scripture. Yeah. So, uh, scripture, scripture means sacred writings, uh, and Timothy says all scripture is God breathed, right? Um, so that's an interesting thing. Yeah. And then there's things that are not scripture that could also be God breathed, even up to this day. God, the Holy Spirit is working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it all needs to align with the standard, which is the canon, right? So hopefully you guys got a good sense of those four definitions, and that maybe solidified or helped some of you know, the mm-hmm. questions you've had regarding the apocrypha and yeah. canon and inspiration and things um and so yeah that that's kind of what i had on that yeah. um i feel like that might be a good place to you know land the plane for this episode and then we can pick it up next week and move on you know to the next stuff what do you think yeah yeah i think so i was um i had one last thing in regards to the old testament canon with the the pharisees and scenes mm-hmm. and all that stuff but yeah. uh i think you know what i'll, I'll actually cover that next episode i think because we're kind of slowly running out of time and you know if anybody had any q a <laughs> questions or things so i'll i'll get into that yeah that'll be good next episode thing then okay so that is a good way to to plan plan summarize you yeah. know we we introduced the topic so we'll we'll be yeah. in the apocrypha for at least another week or two 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Apocrypha, Canon, and, you know, God breathed and scripture, we kind of covered those four things and, and, uh, what they mean and, and why. Yeah. So, and there's a reason why Old Testament thing, like these writings aren't in the Old Testament canon mm-hmm. because they were never a part of the Old Testament canon. They're not the mm-hmm. same. They're not as authentic, yeah. et cetera. Um, and then we'll talk about the New Testament Apocrypha in a later episode. Yeah. So I think that's a good way, you know, good way to end today's and then we'll whet everyone's appetite for the next one. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So I think that worked out good. Yeah, 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 I think so. I will, um, I guess, leave, if you're cool with it, just a, a last opportunity for any questions yeah. regarding what we talked about already today or if, for anything to clarify more. But, mm-hmm. you know, we won't say anything new, I guess, content-wise. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, like, we, like we've already said probably a hundred times now, but, you know, the Apocrypha is not bad. Apocrypha, not bad. Apocrypha is okay. You know, don't be afraid to study it. It's at just, least Old uh, Testament Apocrypha. Oh, New yeah. Testament Apocrypha is a little bit different story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stay away from the New Testament Apocrypha for now. Uh, but well, we'll talk know, about from it. now until next week, you know, start looking up, you know, some stuff about the Old Testament Apocrypha, such as Enoch, Jasher, um, Maccabees, and, and Maccabees. You know, these are these are good history books. Yeah, you know, they don't really Book add Jubilees, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, they add in context. They audit. They add in context, but not content. Yeah. If that makes sense. So these are things that don't add to script that don't add to the canon or scripture per se or God's mm-hmm. you know revelation in that regard. But these are things that give you interpretation, commentary, context, history yeah. to understand the Old Testament canon better. Um, not necessarily yeah. to add to it. So so definitely start uh, you know slowly inching your way into that realm if you haven't already. Uh, and if you have, you know, keep doing it. That's good. Uh, but yeah, no need to be afraid. It's not forbidden. It's not hidden. Yeah. It's not so when somebody asks you, "Hey, why isn't uh, you know why is the Catholic and the Protestant Bible include certain books and, and not?" It's like, well, yeah. you know, you have an answer. And it's like, well, why isn't uh, the Enoch not in the, not in the Bible? Is mm-hmm. it forbidden book like people say it is? It's like, yeah, well, no, not really. <laughs> it was it was written later and it wasn't in the prophetic period. You know, you have answers yeah. and stuff. But yeah, yeah but they're they're good writings, but not not canon. Yeah. So, uh, same period. Good episode. Awesome. Well, Thank uh, you, if any, if any of you guys have any questions, let us know um, about what we talked about today, or, or, or things that you might want us to cover in future. And also, if you guys have any suggestions on things that are questions that you want us to cover in a series, because we are, we do have some things lined up, but we might move things around because we're like, there's some big things planned, but we don't mind going through some smaller topics. Like yeah. we might do an episode on politics or the Israeli-Palestinian thing, or like something else you know soon or um or or even before we go through the bigger books like genesis and exodus like maybe we'll do a smaller book like we just did with jude Mm -hmm. like if you want us to go through a specific book of the bible in the future let us know yeah Uh, like what are you guys interested in like also learning about too like we have things that we want to do but also it's 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 a in some way in some some sense of ministry like we want you guys to have you know to benefit from this as well and so um yeah any if any suggestions of what we you want us to cover as well, let us know, uh, or any questions, let us know. But otherwise, yeah. I'll you know I'll leave it for another day. And this here, we'll get there eventually. If not, <laughs> yeah, at some point. All but, yeah. right. Well, well I, think, I think that was a good one. Yeah, I think I I don't know if I pulled it up, but th- this was the the scripture verse. Yeah. yeah, all scriptures breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I love that verse. It's good. 
All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's it. We don't have any new comments coming in, so we'll see you guys next Tuesday. We'll talk more about the Apocrypha, the Old Testament, and maybe get into some of the New Testament Apocrypha mm -hmm. and why certain books are not included in the Bible, like Barnabas, like Judas, like uh, Thomas, etc. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Any last any last remarks? Uh, not really. Other than just you know what. You know, we've already been saying, you know, don't be afraid of it. The Apocrypha that is um, definitely add that into your Bible study routine. Um, you know, there's a lot of lot more content out there than you think. Um, so just, you know, take it with a grain of salt still with whatever content you do find. But like I said before, Ken Johnson's a good source. Michael Heiser's a good source. Um, you know, just research who's giving the information, you know, when you're looking up the information to you know, see you know, where, where, where they're coming from on it that kind of thing. But, you know, it's not scripture, but still good to know. So definitely, you know, get in there. <laughs> nice. Since I'm currently studying obscure people in the Bible, I may send you some to get your take on them. Very interesting. Cool. Yeah, I love obscure good. people in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> like Epaphras yeah. or... yeah. There's the, one of them, and I don't want to rabbit trail, but uh, when it mentions one of the disciples uh, of of Paul Clement uh, mm -hmm. in Rome. It might be Clement of Rome, oh, okay. um, which is the, I guess, third bishop or of of Rome after Peter. Something okay. that, that you know. Nice. There's some interesting things there. Might yeah. be might be interesting, but um, yeah. We'll yeah. Tuck that away in the topics pool. <laughs> yeah, obscure people in the Bible. Yeah, it is a good one. Yeah, there are All some right. people in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any last words for you? No nope. closing thoughts. Um, after next, um, well, next Tuesday will be almost basically summer for me. Yeah, I guess that's good. Say I'd have one more day or two, three more days after that, and then I have summer break. So, not next episode, but the episode after that will be fully, fully, uh, you know, not prepared per se because I'm always some you know prepared, but right. like more and more <laughs> time and rest also given to. That episode, so I'm, ex I'm excited. Gotcha. I'm learning. I, yeah, I'm, it's fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. I'm ready. But as we go, uh, I guess one last final thought, but also closing statement. Uh, I do. I kind of like the idea of uh, throwing out Jude's benediction in Jude 24 and 25 to yeah, close might as well out. be a tradition because yeah, we may as well start it. Last two weeks, but but I got. Uh, let's see, Jude in the King James translation today. <laughs> this was my first. Uh, a doxology it, in King James is always more. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is the this is my first real Bible that I got back in. I think I was fifteen when I got this. Before that, I mean, I had Bibles here and there. But and if I you talk to a KJV only, it's the only real Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normally, like we said before, the unofficial translation of Biblical Brainstorm is ESV. But I mean, it's fun to bounce around with other translations too, because that's also helpful. But yeah. but anyway, so. Closing benediction for you guys, uh, Jude 24 and 25, or I'll do 24. You want to take 25? Yeah, you can just read the whole thing. I don't have it on me right now, but you don't got that thing on you. I got the, I got the word, but just not to the page. <laughs> All right. All righty. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen.
Amen. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.